Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. I got an exciting special interview for you today, as I always do, but this one's going to be really good. And I'm going to be interviewing a, a, a gentleman, a friend of mine, David Phelps. And um, but first, I want to let you guys know that we're going to be giving you a lot of links and resources on this podcast. You can always get the show notes at realestateinvestingmastery.com, realestateinvestingmastery.com. We've been doing this podcast now since 2011. We've got millions and millions of downloads, literally, which is awesome. I love talking about that and bragging about it <laughs> a little bit. So I want to ask you guys to leave a review. If you like this show, if you've been listening to it for a while and you want us to do more, let us know. Leave us a review and tell us a little bit about what you like about the show. Even tell us what you don't like about the show if you want. I, I love getting reviews. I love talking to people about the podcast. I hear from people all over the world about the difference that uh, <clears throat> this podcast has made in their lives. And so I appreciate that. If you like the show, I just want to ask you to leave a review in iTunes, maybe even Stitcher. Let me know what you think. I got a good review here I want to read just real quickly. This is from Charles8000. He's got a five-star. He left me a review. He says, exactly what I've been looking for. The information and resources provided in this podcast are great no matter your exit strategy. Perfect for the novice or experienced investor A+. This is another review from uh, M. Jefferson, 37. Excellent, excellent podcast, five stars. Between his mind mapping and podcasts, <laughs> Joe gives an incredible amount of free information for investors of all experience levels. I never miss a podcast and recommend it to all of my other investor friends. Thanks, Joe. Well, thank you, M. Jefferson, 37. Let me uh, read one more. <laughs> I got it. How about I read a one-star review? I only have, I'm looking at my reviews here, I only have 10 out of 455 one-star reviews. And uh, this is from somebody who says, one of the worst podcasts I've ever listened to. <laughs> there are ample resources available to learning about real estate. The sound quality is really poor. And while I understand it's in your car, the noise is distracting. Okay, so I'll read the good ones and the bad ones. <laughs> Maybe that's a mistake. I don't know. But um, all right, let's get into this. Let's get on to the show and talk to David Phelps. David from Dallas, Texas. How are you, sir? Joe, I'm doing well. And, uh, you know, you kind of set me up here with uh, with the fact that you've been doing this since 2011. You have all these five-star ratings and, and, and you read some of the, the, the really good ones there. Also, there's always an outlier, of course, but I think you set me up a little bit, Joe, because now I have to perform, and I'm thinking uh, about all these people listening to this podcast. <laughs> I'm kind of freaking out here a little bit, you know, so so I, so I would also appreciate some five-star reviews, particularly for this one, just so my self-esteem doesn't take a low blow. So, so folks, thank you for, for helping me out, all right? I'll just say that, say that right up front. <laughs> yeah, everybody, please, if you like this show, and I know you will, uh, leave a review and say something about David Phelps. Say, hey, that interview with David was awesome. We need to get more people like him on the show. Um, and if you don't like this show and you don't like, then you can still leave a review if you want, but just be honest and tell us the truth. <laughs> okay. So David is from freedom, freedom founders. David, you created this company called freedom founders because of a, a pretty amazing story that you've been through. Now, those of you, 
let me just introduce David a little bit. I've, I've known him for quite a few years now through different masterminds that I'm in. And uh, he's one of the most successful investors I know. And he's a great, great coach. He helps a lot of people in a very specific industry, which is fascinating. And even if you're not in this industry or have zero interest <laughs> in seeing people who are in this industry, you can still, <laughs> you can still learn a lot from David. So David, um, th- thanks for being on the show. Appreciate it. Can you tell us a little bit about your history before you got into real estate? Yeah, so so Joe, I won't totally give my age away, but I'll I'll certainly give people a, a framework here. So, back in the late '70s, I was in college and I was uh, preparing myself to go to what I thought was going to be medical school. I made a little switch and decided I would pursue dentistry just because I thought the lifestyle looked better. That's uh, that's a big big part of my life today is lifestyle, and I know know it is for you as well, Joe. So I made a shift, but a small shift, right? Medical school, dental school, not a big shift in the requirements. I'm taking all the prerequisites, uh, the you know the rites of passage, which for for medical or dental school or you know the chemistry is uh, inorganic, organic. Uh, Physics, uh, physiology, uh, biology—I mean, all that stuff that you've got to get through—and and yet at the same time, I'm thinking about someday I'm going to get out of school, all this formal education, and hopefully should be making a decent living because that's kind of what the aspiration was to go into something where I had a skill set and expertise that the that would I could exchange time for relatively high dollars and. That was the goal. But I'm thinking ahead. I'm thinking, well, I need to learn how to be a good investor. I need to learn how to invest my money. And I didn't really know much about that. I knew how to make money because I was always an entrepreneur and I did a lot of stuff that, that a lot of entrepreneurs did when they were kids, uh, mow lawns and and uh, throw newspapers and stuff like that. So I always enjoyed making money. But I thought, you know, I need to learn how to invest it. So I read books on the stock market and I read books on real estate. This is when I was in college, probably my third or fourth year. And I between the two, the two, you know, financial Wall Street products, if you will, and real estate, the real estate just made a lot of sense to me. It just, you know, there's a tangible asset. And I thought, you know, gee, it's something I could do something with. It made sense. And I actually talked to my dad, my father, who was also a physician, but not an entrepreneur from the standpoint that we're talking about today in doing a lot of things that, that you and I do and other people that are listening to this podcast. But he put his trust in me. And when I said, Dad, you know, I'm going to be here in, in dental school in Dallas, Texas for four years. Huh. Now, I can pay rent like everybody else, or we, and again, the key word here was we, because I had no money, I had no credit, but we could buy a house together. And today we would call that a joint venture, Joe, but I yeah. didn't know what joint venture was. I just said, you know, my dad, if he trusted me, he'd provide the the down payment, uh, the hard equity and the credit financing. And I'd be the manager because he didn't live in Dallas. He lived in another state where I grew up. And so he agreed and we spent a couple weekends going with a realtor to look at potential properties. And, you know, one thing I learned early on from reading some of the books was to, you know, buy you know, the worst house in the best neighborhood. Yeah. And that's actually what we ended up doing. Uh, we have, we found a great house structurally actually great, but it was uh, outdated. It was, uh, it was being sold by, uh, an estate with a lady who lived there for 30 years, uh, you know, and, and, you know, not updated anything, but it was a great neighborhood in Dallas with other, uh, really nice houses on, on the street. So we got a good buy looking back in retrospect, actually it was a very good buy. Yeah. And, uh, I talked to some of my, my dental school buddies into um, I paid you know bought them some beer and uh, you know they came over and you know helped me do some of the rehab which is which is another trick of delegation <laughs> all right Joe I mean that's yeah. that's just uh, you know so something to do and you know, long story short I managed the property I had two different tenants over four years that's not not bad right I mean pretty good because I can't say that was always my track record with real estate but fortunately with this one the neighborhood attracted the right people 
I also waited tables, Joe, all through college and dental school. A lot of people probably, you know, did diff- different jobs. Yeah. Waiting tables was, was was a good thing for me to do because it had flexible hours. Actually, made pretty darn good money. And when I went back and looked at what I made waiting tables, it was about twenty bucks per hour. Not bad. Not bad for part time flexible work. And then I looked at what my dad and I split as joint venture partners. Uh, so he, of course he got the cash flow because it was paying paying him back for the financing. I didn't take any cash flow out of the deal. But what we did decide to do is was split any capital gain profit equity in the property when we put the property up for sale when I graduated from school. And that that total capital gain profit, Joe, was about fifty thousand dollars, so twenty five thousand each. Well, when I looked at that twenty five thousand, my my portion, and I divided by the number of hours that I had spent. You know, ag- on aggregate over the four years dealing with the property from from acquisition uh, to management to to sale, my dollar per hour was about two hundred and sixty dollars per hour. So over ten times what I was doing trading time for dollars. And Joe, that was my epiphany. That was my my big aha. I thought, wait a minute here. Yeah. So I can work in a pretty upscale restaurant and make pretty darn good tips. I mean, relatively speaking, or I could learn how to acquire a capital asset, this being real estate, and it would produce in this case ten times more. For my hours, so you can you can guess the, what the next next was. I yeah, I went on to dental school, but I continued to invest and buy properties, and we can talk more about how that went because again, I'm a kid coming out of school. Now I do have twenty five thousand bucks. I didn't wouldn't have otherwise had, and I did leverage that money. But we can you know we'll, we'll take it from there. Anyway, I, I went anyway. I'll let you, I'll let you pick it up from there. What years were that? We bought that property in uh, nineteen eighty and sold it in the uh, latter part of eighty three. Nice. And so I, I would imagine, because I know dentists make very good money, especially orthodontists. And <laughs> you had, you had a, sounds like you had some experience. <laughs> Just a little, huh? My, young, my oldest is now 14. And, uh, um, yeah. and so we've been taking him to the orthodontist lately. And my 13-year-old, he's doing okay, but he's going to have to go in a little bit, a couple years probably. And then my 10-year-old is going to need a lot of work. So <laughs> Especially orthodontists. But anyway, so I'm I'm assuming though, even today, people in the real estate business make more per hour than they do as a dentist. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I will. Yeah, I I will. I will state for for the record uh, that that is absolutely true. You know, I I live and have experienced both camps, so I have you know very intimate knowledge of of really what the dollar per hour return is, and and it's definitely higher for the real estate entrepreneurs uh, that that you and I know that really have have put the time and effort into investing in themselves and creating the networks and learn all the other aspects of marketing and, and business structures. It is no doubt about it. it. The dollar per hour, but also Joe, for sure, the flexibility, the ability to yes. compact, you know, the, the hours that we actually work. And again, I don't even call it work because I really, I, I enjoy what I do. I enjoy the people I get to work with. And I know you do too. So I don't even call it work, but we get to compact it into compartments and then it freezes up to do the other stuff that, that I couldn't do when I had my practice. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk more about that here as we go. So this was the mid eighties. How much longer did you continue into dentistry and why aren't you still doing it? I continued into dentistry. I practiced a little over 20, just about 21 years. Uh, and I ran the practice uh, and did the real estate, you know, in tandem. I seriously, I was, I was a dentist by day and in, in, in lunch hours, literally on lunch hours and, and uh, nights and weekends, I was doing real estate. So I was I was plugging hard. I, I, I will not kid anybody. It wasn't like uh, it was just easy. I was intentional about being the best I could be at both. And that did take away from some family time. Now, my wife and I at the time decided not to have kids 
uh, for a few years. So that helped uh, because I definitely was not living a quote balanced life. I was I was sacrificing intentionally on the front end. And I don't necessarily think that's the best way, but Joe, there's always some sacrifice period that anybody has to put into a blueprint or a roadmap to, to get to another level. So sure. whatever that is, that's what, that's what I was doing. And I sold the practice in uh, 2004, so what, 14 years ago, mainly because of the time element. Uh, it wasn't that, that I didn't have the time to do it. It's my daughter, who was 12 at the time. After suffering through uh, leukemia at an early age, uh, oh. she also had epileptic seizures. Well, at age 12, she was in end-stage in, in liver failure uh, because of all the chemo, drugs, everything. It just it, Your liver was shot. And this was, this was after on top of everything else. And I finally you know, it got through my thick skull that, uh, that maybe, maybe God was telling me, you know, David, you need to, you need to you know, wake up a little bit here and maybe take a different tact. You know, sure, you're, you're a hardworking guy. You, you, you've done what you thought was always right by your family and provide the security foundation that, that I think every, you know, virtually every, every male or head of household aspires to do. So yeah, I was doing those things, but I wasn't spending time with, with, with my daughter and, and the liver transplant was really my wake up call. I tell people today, it woke me up and said, look, why am I still doing things the way everybody else is doing them? Why the same way that Society and certainly my industry, dentistry, says you do it. Well, you know, you go to school all these years, you get the degrees, the license, and you go out and you you open your business, your practice, and you do that, you know, full throttle till you're in your 60s, and then you quote retire, and wonderful, you retire to what? And then what have you missed along the way? Well, I decided then and there in 2004, I was not going to miss any more of my daughter's life because I didn't know how much more she was going to have. Yeah, none of us know that, but we take it for granted, right? So I sold the practice. And I could do it because I, I had the real estate foundation. I had been intentional about paying down debt, amortizing the leverage properties that I had acquired during those years, and I had enough cash flow to, to be able to pull the trigger. It wasn't massive cash flow. It wasn't like I could go live on a yacht, but you know, Joe, it was enough. It was enough, and it was sustainable, and it was predictable, and that's the key thing I think most people, most dentists, most professionals, most business people don't have in their reti- call it retirement planning, the traditional investment models never provide for the person to understand or learn how to orchestrate cash flow from whatever they accumulate. And real estate, you know, if you know how to do it right, that's what it provides, predictability. And so I could do it. I could let it go and not have any regrets or or no fears about doing it. Okay. Very good. Well, when did you, when did you finally quit dentistry? I actually quit twice. So here's the other side of the story. So I so because, of course, Joe, I'm so smart with finances. I'm, I'm being a little bit facetious here. <laughs> so, you know, but, but you know, being, in, being involved in real estate teaches us a lot about, about finance. Uh, really, it really increased my, increased my financial acumen to a great degree, way over whatever I got in school, which is basics. And so, you know, I learned about financing. And I was pretty good about both buying with financing and also selling on financing when, I, when it was the right time and right asset to, to utilize that particular exit strategy. And I thought, well, I can do the same thing with my practice. I, you know, I know how to do this stuff. I can finance. I can do this. And so I did. I did. But I overlooked some character flaws in in the buyer. And so I ended up, long story short, taking the practice back after the first first sale. And that wasn't real pretty. Uh, it was probably worse than a, a house you have to take back through foreclosure or a tenant that you have to evict. Uh, it's, 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 it's very messy. And you never get the business back, you know, anything close to what it was previously. So I had to take it back. But I decided that second time, Joe, I was not going to suit back up, put on my normal scrubs and go back in and be the guy, the provider. 
the dentist, I decided I'm going to, I'm going to do this differently this time. And so I brought in not one, not two, but three different associate doctors. I had learned a lot about marketing uh, by that point because I was really interested in marketing as, and I know that's, that's, that's one of your genius zones is, is marketing is like the key to, to any viable business, whatever that may be. And, And then also the other thing I did, Joe, is I, is I also realized that you know, as much as I'm, I'm willing to put in the work and climb the mountain myself, kind of that rugged individualist, that's the hard way. And, and to find other people to collaborate with to create synergy was a quicker way to, for me to get from, from A to B, from where I was at that point with a practice back in my lap, still an asset, but not a good asset at that point, yeah. and to get it to B where it was now producing asset again where I could resell it uh, on a different way. And so, so I didn't do it myself. I, I had the knowledge base. I wasn't going to be the provider. But I also brought in another person who I had known for a number of years who was really, really good at helping young docs and also kind of creating better synergy within uh, the practice staff, the organization. I paid to play. In other words, I brought someone in and paid them, invested in that person. And I think through all those efforts, I was able to turn around and sell the practice the second time for all cash. And that was really at the, at the bottom of the, the last recession when wow. banks were not financing really anything. But I had a business where me, the actual owner, it was not dependent upon me. And that's what a real business is, of course, Joe. It's dependent upon the owner. That's really a job. And, and you know, banks are lending more today, of course, than they did, you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago. But still, when you've got a business, you've got recurring revenue that's not dependent upon the owner's uh, operations, daily involvement in the business, that's a real business. And so it was saleable and it was 100% financeable in a marketplace where not much was being financed at that time. I was surprised to hear that. I would have suspected you just kind of walked away from it and started doing real estate full time, but you actually built your business up so you could sell it. Yeah. And it, and it definitely crossed my mind, Joe, it definitely crossed my mind to walk away. And here's, here's why I didn't. So a couple of reasons. One, that practice had been my baby, you know, from the get go from 20 years earlier. So even though some patients had definitely left during the turmoil, which is going to happen when there's upheaval in any kind of business, you're, you know, they're going to, some people are going to leave. About half the staff left, which I can't blame them because I didn't have the control. I wasn't back at the reins at that point. Half of them stayed because they knew I was trying to get the practice back. And I think they put faith and trust in me. So I had patients and staff who were to some extent relying on me. And, you know, I didn't have any fiduciary responsibility to anybody, but I, I think I had an ethical and moral responsibility to them that I decided, you know, I'm not going to do it the easy way, which would have been just to walk away. I mean, the money I, I made from selling the practice. It, it felt good to still get something out of it, but you know, it, it was peanuts compared to what, you know, I can do in real estate. It was really more Joe. It's just, I just want to fulfill and complete a phase of my life and not have it just kind of smolder in flames. I just didn't like that feeling. Wow. That's interesting. Cause again, I thought you were going to talk about how, um, you just walked away. So I'm guessing that you, you help people right now who are dentists do real estate, but also become better business owners in their practices, right? Yeah. The, our model for Freedom Founders is it is a blueprint and, you know, it has several pieces or pillars to it. And certainly one is optimization of the current asset, or I, you know, I call it the engine, which is their practice, their business. That is their asset. That's what they, that's what they do. That's where all their focus has been. And, you know, that's where where everybody puts their focus. But I, I show them that that's really only one piece of the puzzle. It's an important one. You can't put it aside. You can't neglect it. But I said the problem for most people, and again, this is all business owners, is they put all their effort into that, that business. They never learn how to optimize or leverage it. So they're always the one you know, in making the widgets, providing the service. And that's okay if you like doing that, but most people want some freedom. 
So I help them optimize that that practice. At the same time, they're optimizing the practice. They're getting more freedom because they don't have to be the one doing all the work. They can do what they want to in it. But it's also they're, they're creating more discretionary cash flow, revenue, capital. They can now start investing outside the practice once it's optimized. And that's where I, I help them make the connection to real estate. And I try to help. I help them do it in ways the same way I, I invest today, which is not the way I started, you know, 25, 30, almost 40 years ago. You know, yeah. back back then, I like like most of us, Joe, in in, in as an entrepreneur, I I was boots on the ground. I, I, you know, I literally was working in the practice and also out, you know, knocking on doors and putting flyers out and ads in the newspaper. We didn't have internet back then. It was like you know, rotary phone day. But still, there was always marketing lead gen to be done, and so that's how I did it. But I don't want busy doctors to do that today because I tell them you have to you have to value your time. Sure. Where is your time most valuable? And, that, and that's a question everybody should ask themselves wherever they are right now today, whatever they're doing. They should say, well, what's my what's the value of my time per hour? And anything you're doing that's below that, whatever your level is, you know, you need to get that out, delegate it, outsource it, you know, and, and move on to the more important things in life. Very good. I wanted to ask you that because there's a lot of people listening to this who maybe have full-time jobs and they don't want to quit or they have another business in another industry and they can't just walk away from it. How? What kind of advice would you give to somebody who wants to get in the real estate game? You know, they've read some books, they've listened to some podcasts, but they don't want to be a full-time investor. Right. Yeah. But they want to start building assets. They want to start growing cash flow. What kind of advice would you give them? Where do they start? So yeah. So so if somebody has you know, currently has a job or a business that they are get their income main income from, but they want to build, start building you know a real estate uh, estate, so, so to speak, then I think the fast track is to find. The other people, in other words, uh, you know, network. Network is everything in life. You know, relationship capital. I tell people is is the most important asset I've got. So you've got to be intentional about finding the right people. I mean, Joe, you're a major connector. People listening to this podcast should, if they haven't already figured out that that you are really, really well connected. So finding people like you, Joe, who become kind of a, the the lightning rod to other connections, leveraging relationships where you're willing as a as a current business owner to take your your capital and invest with or through other people because unless you want to be boots on the ground. But again, that's where it doesn't make sense for a lot of people who have a business or a doctor or a dentist who shouldn't be out flipping houses or dealing with contractors or tenants. That would be foolish. So you've got to find the right people, be willing to take slices or what I call participations in lots of different kind of deal flow. But you got to vet the people and then understand the underlying asset class. Once you do those two things, you know, you're, you're going to be in good shape and you can really multiply your efforts much faster. And that's what gives you options. Then like, like for me, I had a reason why to get out of my business. Now I'm, I, I'm full-time in not just investing in real estate. I, I do that all the time, of course, just kind of as a sideline to keep my money invested. But I get to really do things that I really love to do and probably aspire to do many years ago, but I never gave myself permission to do it because I was locked in that, that mode of, well, I need to be you know, in this business profession because that's, that's what I went to school for. That's where I put all my time in. Well, so what? It's okay to evolve in life. It's okay to go from one act to another act to another act, just like acts in a play. I don't believe you've got to stay focused in one stream of consciousness or work your whole life uh, unless yeah. you really want to. But most people, I think we live in a time today, Joe, that people need to learn how to adapt, evolve. You've got to be nimble. You've got to be flexible. And that's not what you really get from form, formal education. Formal yeah. education, I think, indoctrinates people into, into to, to kind of mainstream thinking and you're kind of locked in. And if something changes in your life, like it did for me, if you don't have a, a plan B or another way to go, you're, you know, you're, it's, it's a, not, not a really great life at that point. Well, let's talk practically then. 
like, where do you tell people to start? Do you, t- do you, somebody who's got a good business, full-time job, do you, do you think it's best to train them on how to do a bunch of marketing, how to go find a bunch of sellers, how to make a bunch of offers, or is it better to work with a company that maybe already has the deals that can yeah. provide the turnkey yeah. Yeah. Deals, you know what I'm I, saying? Know, yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. Well, well, number one, I think the, the quickest way to, to learn any kind of a business model, if it's something, some, somebody's interested in, they want to learn it. And, and if they want to learn, if that, this person wants to learn how to do it from the ground up and they want to some, someday be really involved in creating a kind of a, 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 a real estate business slash investment uh, platform, then yes, your fast track is going to be to, to get involved and actually be kind of almost a servant or an apprentice uh, in somebody else's organization. I mean, seriously, I would say show up and say, look, I'm here to serve. You don't even have to pay me. Now, most people will pay you. But if you're that kind of person who's going to show up and learn and, and, and get involved, find that right environment, and you're going to learn so much by doing putting a couple of years in that way. Now, if that's not your intent, you don't want to be in the nuts and bolts and, and learn marketing lead, lead gen and and how to do fix and flips and that kind of thing, then I'd say still the same way. Don't don't go out and try to figure it out yourself. Find the right people, organizations or and or people, and you know invest through them. That's how what I tell my doctors to do today. I mean, the doctors I, I tell them the easiest way to get involved in real estate is to first become a lender. Lend your money like a bank. Um, you're, the, the, the paperwork, documentation, the underwriting, the vetting of the deal is very very similar whether you're the bank or the owner. So lend your money. And, That's a and good point. Yeah, so it's a, well, it's, you know, Joe, it's a lot safer. You're one major step removed from ownership. And even even if you have a management company managing your property, somebody still has to manage the managers. And and so I just tell the doctors, look, just don't jump in too fast. Lend money, kind of particularly where we are in the marketplace today, unless you know you've got access to really great wholesale deals, which are harder to find. We, we all know that. Maybe lend money to again to the right people. The right geography uh, is all important, but that's a quicker way to see how this kind of works, and then they can decide to go further into you know equity ownership and using leverage and things like that if that's part of their their blueprint. I I love that advice. That's really good, and it's something that it's easy for me to forget because I'm I'm the guy doing the wholesaling. I'm the guy in the trenches doing deals and training people how to get in the trenches and do the deals. But there's a lot of people listening to this podcast that don't want to do that. They don't want to get in the trenches. So where do they start? And I think it's a fantastic idea to learn how to become a lender because you can get sometimes greater rewards with less risk. Would you agree with that as a lender? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say there's definitely less risk. And, you know, Joe, when we, when we talk about rewards or return on investment, what I find is most people forget to factor in the return on their time or return on their yeah. effort. Yeah. Uh, and when you fact again, based on whatever your dollar per hour earning capability is, trading time for dollars, if you don't factor that in, then then your your ROI is, is really skewed and you're not really understanding it. <laughs> so 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 if you're if you're relatively active, which is a, which is fine to be active, then you should be getting a, a much higher, you know, overall ROI than if you're very passive and in just investing through people, which is a great way to go as well. Good. Excellent. Um, David, one of the reasons why I asked you to come on the podcast was because you did a post. Well, how long ago was this? Six months ago? Uh, no, not that long ago. It was, uh, I know where I was. I was, uh, I was, I was in Santorini, Greece. Uh, so it was like a couple months ago. Um, yeah, that's when it was. You were in Greece and somebody made some kind of, I don't want to say snide comment cause that's a little too strong, I guess. But somebody made a comment of like, come on, you really can't do deals while traveling, right? You can't really say that you're 
doing all of this real estate while you're traveling around the world. That can't possibly <laughs> happen. Right. And and you had such a great comeback to that. Can you talk a little bit about the context of that video and what you said? Do you remember? Yeah, yeah, Joe. It was so that was that was pretty much it. I think uh, the the comment was you know it wasn't snide. No, it was just really, really, yeah. really kind of more curiosity. It was like, so David, you seem to travel a lot. You know, how do you get any work done? How do you quote run a business or even manage your investment portfolio? That just doesn't seem like that's practical. And I I get it. I mean, I, I and so I thought you know I thought about that, and it, you know, and I'm sure it's the same thing for you, Joe. But I love to be different places because my you know my mind my thinking changes. I'm I'm pulled away from you know the the, the, the normal routines that you might get into in, in your regular day life. And so my thinking changes and, and I just, I just, I was actually sitting in the fitness center of this particular beautiful hotel in Santorini, Greece that morning when I was, and I, and I was, I was working out and I just, it, it just hit me. I thought, I thought, I thought that's such a powerful question. And let me see if I can give a, an appropriate answer to that. So, yeah, so I just kind of got on this rant and I really just talked about the fact that, that each one of us, has the opportunity to make our own decision in our lives. You know, we get to, or we should decide intentionally how we want to live our lives. Now, I know that seems like something that's kind of out of whack when when you're young, you're coming out of school, you may have a lot of school debt, you're trying to figure out, you know, you know how to move forward into business and life, and maybe you get, you're starting a young family. Oh, I get it. You know, you don't just decide one day that oh, you know, uh, money's going to pour down from the skies. No, it doesn't happen like that. But what I'm saying is, too many people follow their life based on, on group think, group think that's following the majority. So I talked earlier on this podcast, Joe, about, about people that think you know, kind of mainstream thinking about life and going to school, which I'm not against going to school. I, I have some def definite thoughts on that today, but whatever it is, there's, there's, there's societal thinking, cultural thinking that's been passed on for generation after generation. And what I say is, is you, is, as people, we get to decide what we want to believe. And I question everything today, Joe. I know you do too. I mean, even people that I have great respect for, when someone's talking or laying out a doctrine or something, I'm always listening very, very intently to, to, to see, is, is there something there that doesn't quite fit my thinking or my model? It's not for me to be negative. I just don't take anything in uh, face value. I've got to, got to hear it. It's got to make sense for me. If it doesn't, I'm going to ask questions because maybe I just don't understand. I'm not saying the person's not right. I just don't understand. I want... I have to have understanding for my life. So my, my point on this rant was we all have the opportunity to decide. Uh, either we decide to live our lives intentionally by, by rules that we decide or we let society and maybe an industry or a business a profession control us. That's the choice. And I said, you know, you have to have a reason why that you want to go against the grain, why you want to be different. And then you have to intentionally take action to do that. And one of the key things I said in that piece was, like I said earlier, you, you've got to find the right people, the right tribe, the right group of people who are also like-minded, also entrepreneurs who have very likely gone further than you have in this path. But you, you see the difference in their life. You watch and, and you don't just look and see, well, quote, how much money they have or how many deals they do. I mean, that's fine. I'm not judging that. I'm saying, what kind of life are they living? Are they really living a life where they can show that they have the freedom, flexibility to spend time with their families, to travel, take time off? Or, or are they... Are they so bent in one extreme that it's all about the money? So you've got to find people that you really identify with in, in all aspects of life, not just one. And Joe, that's why you and I are in different masterminds, because we we're, we we seek those kind of people who think differently, they're yeah. contrarians about everything in life, and, and we learn from each other. We aspire each other. We hold each other accountable. We are there to give feedback 
and perspective on questions or challenges or even opportunities we think are in front of us. We all need that. And if, if you're living your life in that kind of vacuum of, hey, I'm a hardworking John Wayne type solo rugged individualist, uh, that's a great characteristic, but it's not going to get you probably where you want to go in life. You've got to got to learn to be vulnerable with the right people. And I think that's the key. Who are those people in your life that you could turn to that you can trust uh, that will give you straight up advice and they're not trying to sell you something. They just are there because they appreciate the mutual reciprocity of the relationship. That's good. Really good. And it can be done. I think people need to stretch their minds a little bit and think of the possibilities from a possibility standpoint. Like, I can do this. This There is actually a way that I can build my business around my life, not have my life be built around my business. Let my business serve my life and what I want to do. And if you set it up right, you can run, boy, you can run almost any business in the world. You can run it from anywhere in the world, right? You think of any concept or business that you need to, that you can create and you can run it from anywhere in the world with technology that we have today. Yes. You just have to choose and decide to do that. Exactly. I think, I think it was Henry Ford said, whether you think you can or you can't, uh-huh. you're right. Because uh-huh. it's what we what you decide. I, I, I get people, and I know you do too, Joe, that say, well, you know, that's impossible. That can't be done. And I think, well, if it, if it has been done, then it's, it's possible. It's just, it's just you don't believe it can be done. You know, that's your self-limiting belief. If you want to change your life, you, you've got to break through those. And we all have them. We all have them. I, I still have them today. And those that are that are, remain, you know, I've got to bust through them because I still have things that constrain me. I could probably be doing, being more impactful, even serve better. But I've got limiting constraints that I have to always p- try to power through or have people help me power through. Good. All right. So I want to ask you also, David, you, I like your perspective on lending money. <clears throat> That's a great way to get into the business. There's also a lot of people that, want to get in the business by actually buying cash flow real estate. They want to go out and they want to buy rental properties or multifamily apartment buildings and things like that. What kind of advice would you give to somebody listening to this who maybe has a professional practice, they don't want to quit their business or sell it, but they want to start buying real estate? Where would you where would you encourage them to go? What would you kind of advice would you give them? I tell them to start with single family. Why? I mean, single family is not sexy. Everybody wants to get into the bigger stuff because, you know, bigger stuff means bigger numbers, bigger returns. So we think, but single family is very, very safe because you have multiple exit strategies. In other words, when you own a property, a single family residential, uh, you have certainly other investors who, if it's the right property and priced the right way or right terms, will certainly buy that property, especially today in the market today. There's a lot of buyers looking for cash flowing properties. But you also have the owner-occupant side, which is you know even larger. And so you've got, got two viable markets for buyers. Single-family houses are easy to do the underwriting, in other words, to understand, to inspect. There's, you know, there's just, I mean, most people have lived in one at some time or the other. And so you kind of understand what, what's involved in the house. You can have them inspected. Uh, if you don't feel comfortable yourself by actually doing mechanical and structural inspections, they're easy to, to get involved in. And so I think everybody should start there. Now, where where you want to go from there, that's that's up to the individual. And certainly the other, the other asset classes we have available in real estate are certainly viable, but you're getting into a, to a, a, a bigger boy or bigger girl's game. You've got people that are uh, more more professional, they're full time, there's bigger money chasing those deals. So if so, you, the individual, if you're the doctor, dentist or business owner, again, you've got, you've got to find the right people. 
to help you get in that game. You've got to, again, somewhere you've got to pay to play. You've got to get involved in some groups or gain access by putting the time in to find the right people, build that network. Because the real people that have been doing this for many years, you know, they have access to deals that the, the regular public doesn't have access to. The we'll regular public will never see. By the time something hits the, hits the typically the MLS or LoopNet today, I mean, that, that stuff's been so picked over and shot through. You know, you and I wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole, but some people think, well, that's their only access point. So access point network is critical yeah. no matter what asset class you're going to get involved in. But I, I still like single family to get people to get their, their feet wet because, you know, if they don't like it or – or, or single family is really, really very kind. I mean, you really can't get, you'd have to do something really, really stupid. I mean, just off the charts, stupid to, to, to lose money in single family on any kind of scale today. Would you recommend a turnkey provider? Like, would you recommend to somebody to find a turnkey provider or would you, would you recommend they learn how to find the deals themselves? Well, again, it's, it's, it's about time. I mean, there's, there's certainly a lot to be said, Joe, about, about going through the process oneself. I mean, you certainly learn some great lessons, but again, I, I go to the person. So yes, I would say a turnkey provider, which you know, in our definition means somebody who is who has already acquired the the prop the property, the opportunity. They've gone through and done the rehab, and they've actually put a tenant in place with you know the the formal application and the lease agreement. And now that turnkey provider actually will provide the management. I think the key there, Joe, is is that turnkey provider. I want to know that they have their own management in place. Where I've seen people have problems is is with they work with turnkey providers who do everything up to the management, and then when it's time for someone to manage the property, they turn it over to somebody else, and that's where the breakdown is. So the management management is no doubt a critical, critical component of the whole process, and that's where I see more headaches happen in naive or not, not experienced investors who get started in real estate. Okay. I want to steer the conversation real quickly on the the direction of the market. I'm just looking right now. On, um, <laughs> I went, I went to CNBC, right? And I'm looking up an article about Redfin because yep. they just uh, reported the net income of only 3.2 million, and that is a um, for a big company like them, wow. that's yeah. that's pretty low. Things are starting to slow down, and so the kind of the talk on the street is what's going on with the market. <laughs> but the headline on CNBC is how Trump retains Hulk Hogan's lawyer. For- <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's where we should put our, our emphasis because that's going to change our day. Right. Yeah. That's why I was laughing. So this, I don't want to talk about politics, but oh my gosh, here we go. Anyway, where do you see the market going? I mean, we're, I'm hearing rumors, word on the street, things are really slowing down in uh, big markets like California, New York. Right. And we're starting to see a slowdown, longer days on market. Yep. Even though inventory is going up, a lot of realtors in California are talking about how they're not getting the multiple offers like they used to anymore. And the offers they are getting are less than asking price. What do you see right now going on in the market and why should it matter? Maybe it doesn't. Yeah, well, well, I, th- I, think, it, I think it does matter. It does matter. It doesn't mean one shouldn't stay invested. I always stay invested. Joe, I know you do too. It's just how do I invest? You know, what in what markets and and what type of investments I'm I'm involved in. I, you know, I, I I would be cautious at this point. And cautious just means to avoid the speculators' game of well, I can buy today, I can squeeze my margins down, I can pay a higher price point today because well, 
because there's always another buyer somewhere. Well, that's been the trend for the last number of years, yes. But when you start to see the trends begin in California out on the West Coast, that usually is a sign to look at. Now, a lot of it has to do with affordability. No question in the volatile markets like like California, you know, the, the price points have gone up tremendously and, and wages don't keep up. So you get to a point where in those markets where the affordability becomes, I think, uh, as big an issue as anything. But there's other factors in place that maybe we can't always peg. I just agree with you that there's a, a sense that we maybe at, at a topping out point where where things are starting to slow down. Uh, does that mean we're going to go into a free fall? Now, who, you, you know, none of us can predict that. I think you know we know that we're we're long long in the tooth. Uh, if I could use a dental term, and long in the tooth. Um, <laughs> and this, and this, just to, just to keep it real here, Joe. But we are we're down the road further in this you know bull market than the average. So a lot of people would say, well, we're due, we're due. Well, yeah, we are due. You have to look at other fundamentals, I think, in in the economy. And one of the things that concerns me a lot is the debt, the debt factor, global, national, uh, you, you know, consumer debts, uh, student loan debt, uh, mm. auto auto debt. So, you know, our economy and really the global economy is, is really built on debt. Well, think about that for your own family. If you were so cavalier as to Open up, uh, you know, every credit card and every line of credit you could to live the lifestyle you wanted to. You, you know, maybe you'd feel good out on the street, but internally, you know that it's, it's a house of cards. It's some something's going to give somewhere. Some somebody's going to pull pull it out from from underneath you. Now, you know, the U.S. has always been the reserve currency. The dollar has been reserve currency, and we're the you know the elephant in the room. So you know, we've got been able to kick this can down the road. But look how fast and far we're kicking it. So again, Joe, I'm not predicting anything anymore. Than anybody else can. I just say. Cautious, uh, being cautious is important today, and and to again, you know, gauge your your investments uh, in asset classes, uh, in geographic markets that you feel pretty good about, uh, and just don't go over the top in in speculation. Yeah, if you're solid on the fundamentals, right, it doesn't matter which direction the market goes. Exactly. There, there well, are- and, yeah, yeah, and 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 actually, in a downturn, Joe, you would agree with me is that if you're positioned. You're going to make a lot more money in a downturn, so yes. you don't you don't want to, you don't want to get caught over leveraged and overfinanced and with short term you know debt and credit hanging your your head in a noose because that's what happens to a lot of people. They get so into the game and they're just turning the money so fast and getting every every loan they can to, to leverage up. Well, don't don't be doing that, so, but position yourself so that when the market does turn, my gosh, we you go back to to two thousand. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven again. Uh, yeah. yeah, we we go back and have a field day. So so if that happens, I'm ready. I, I don't wish it, but you know that's the way things run. We have to learn to play the game that's presented to us. We don't get to make up the rules. That is so good. You, <laughs> that's really good. Uh, we don't get to make up the rules. I might even call the podcast that. Um, I'm writing that down. The okay. I wanted to say this because there are a lot of. Um, investors that bought soundly, you know, in other words, even in 2006, when they bought a property, they weren't counting on appreciation. They were buying right. on cash flow. Right. And guess what? They were fine yes. during the downturn. Did rents go down? No. Rents went up. Maybe they went down a little bit, but it's and it's based, dependent on the markets, you know, and all that. But if you're buying solidly and you're not over leveraging, you're going to be fine. There's still a lot of good opportunity out there. And I'm not looking forward to the market crash either, but there's a lot of opportunity that's going to be coming our way if you're smart about it. One of the things, too, I think that's important for people to realize where I think the market is going down, and I'm just reading this article right now on CNBC, that housing demand right now sees its biggest drop in more than two years. This was an article from a week ago. The problem with rising interest rates is that 
people who want to downsize can't because right. if they downsize to a, you know, a cheaper house, their mortgage payment's going to be the same yes. as what it was before. And that's something that you got to just be aware of. So anyway, David, talk about real quick, you have a business called Freedom Founders and uh, you do a lot of cool things. You've been talking kind of a theme of what you've been talking about is the networking hanging out with like-minded people that can challenge you, that can push you, that can help you, whatever your best business in. Uh, but you help a very specific group of people, um, not just dentists, but people that have professional practices that want to grow their asset classes of real estate and, and, and earning passive income. Talk about Freedom Founders a little bit, would you? Uh, sure, Joe. Well, Freedom Founders really started very organically about uh, seven years ago because I was, you know, I'd sold my, my dental practice and really for me, there's always going to be a, there's got to be a next thing. I don't ever believe in the word retire. I just, I, I love always just doing, creating and being involved with people I like to be involved with. So it started because I had uh, some of my dental and medical colleagues ask me, you know, not why I sold my practice. They understood because my daughter's health issues, they, that made sense, but it was, it was really David, how did you do it? Because they didn't, most people didn't know about the real estate that I did. Had been building up for for many years, decades, and so they want to know how I did it. So I just took on a few and and just kind of talked to them through some of the fundamentals. And next question was, well, that's great, David. I, it makes sense, but you know, I don't have the time to go do it. So could I just get involved in some of your deals? Well, there became some of my private lenders on deal flow that uh, you know they're still involved in today. And so piggybacking, wow. yeah, piggybacking on deals. Well, then more people will hear about it, and so I'm thinking, well, okay, I, I my goal in life is not to go out and, and like you know cr be the lead lead generation flow flow guy, the 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 deal flow guy for you know ten or twenty doctors. I, I'm just not going to do it. That's just that's too much work for me. That's not my my genius zone. So how could I help a larger group of of docs who really need this because they do need it. They need it badly. How could I do it without me being you know all the nuts and bolts of it? So that's when I thought thought for a minute. I thought. I thought, you know, I've got all these connections from all these years of doing this, and I can just bring the best of the best, you know, a diversified group of people who are boots on the ground creating the deal flow to connect them with the doctors, create organic relationships, uh, and show them how to do due diligence and how to vet the deals. And it's just turned into a really fun passion of mine now because I get to be involved, as I said earlier, with, with all the kinds of people I like to work with. I never have a day where I look at my schedule and go, oh, I don't want to deal with that person like I did in my dental practice, you know, oh. almost every day. There was somebody there on the schedule. It's like, oh my gosh, do I have to deal with them? But to, today it's like, no, I get to choose uh, who I get to deal with. And it's just fun. It's fun to see it's fun when we can change people's lives, Joe. You, I know that's that's what's in your heart. Uh, yeah. When you figure when you figured out a few things in life, not because you're so we're so smart. That's not at all. It's just because we're just doggone it. We're 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 stubborn. We're, we 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 don't quit. You know, it's like okay, this didn't work. This didn't work. You know, I ran up against this brick wall. This thing blew up on me. But doggone, that's not going to stop me. And as you figure things out in life, there becomes some patterns. And again, one of the biggest patterns was being around other people. You know, getting involved in masterminds probably the biggest value ever in my life, way beyond my formal education, Joe, way beyond my formal education, the value of being around people like you that I get to meet at high caliber mastermind groups. And that's what Freedom Founders is. It's, it's I, I, I decide, why can't I do one for, for people that I have an affinity with, that I, that I can speak their language? I can speak the language of, of dentists, doctors. I can speak the language of real estate and I'm really kind of the translator. I translate, you know, in between so that they get it. Good. Excellent. How can people find out about you? Do you have a website? Main website? Yes. It's uh, freedomfounders.com. Nice. 
freedomfounders.com. You also do a lot of really good videos on Facebook. And so if you guys want to follow David, I'd suggest you just look up David Phelps, right? P-H-E-L-P-S on Facebook. That's that's it. Yes, you can find me there. And um, good, David. I've enjoyed having you on the show. This has been good. Appreciate it. Hey, Joe, it's always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Any final words of advice you want to give to people? I, I would I would just say, you know, that don't ever quit on your vision, your dream of what you really want your life to be. Don't sell out. Don't sell short because you don't think it's possible. Anything's possible. You just have to be intentional and be focused and have clarity on what it looks like for you. Very good. All right. Thank you very much, David. Guys, go check out David's website, freedomfounders.com. Uh, I've known David for a few years. Well, more than a few years, a long time. He's the real deal. He's genuine. He cares about people. I don't get anything from recommending his website or anything that he does, but he's just a good friend and I like him. He's a good guy. Check him out at freedomfounders.com and uh, get the show notes of this podcast, realestateinvestingmastery.com. Don't forget, leave us a review if you like the show and I appreciate that very much. realestateinvestingmastery.com. Thanks again, David. Thank you, Joe. We'll see you all later. Bye, guys.